Greetings and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with David Temple. Now, David is a very talented gentleman with a lot of different skills, a lot of them around his voice uh, and uh, corresponding to writing, acting, film, radio, and so forth. And we're going to talk to him about a lot of that including the fact that he's made a movie, uh, has narrated books, and uh, has a fairly new, successful podcast, in addition to all the books that he writes. But before we talk to David, I do need to remind you that Wrong Place or Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. Now, if you dig that kind of thing, and if you're listening to this show, there's at least a fair to middling chance that you do, you can find out more at their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. All right, well, I kind of already introduced David with uh, all the different things that he's up to. I think we'll just dive right in and talk to him, and you'll find out really quick uh, what a great radio voice he has, and we'll explore some of these different uh, artistic endeavors that he's taken part in. Well, hey, David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Frank. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I'm just returning the favor, actually. We're going to talk about your current podcast, The Thriller Zone, in a little while, but you you are not new to podcasting, and I was fortunate enough to be on your uh, previous podcast. Yeah, that was called Naked Monday, which has its own story behind that title, which means absolutely nothing. But yeah, The Thriller Zone is really the one that took off, and that's why I'm going to have to have you back, to, because you've been writing so many thrillers that would fit so well on that show. Well, you've been really landing a lot of uh, high-profile authors and, and up-and-coming authors on that show. And you do uh, the video version, too, on, on, on The Thriller Zone. It's uh, audio and video. Yeah, that's a mixed bag, Frank, because the good news is uh, I'm doing I'm covering two birds with one stone. The bad news is it does gobble up a lot of time, especially when you get into the video editing and you're wanting to put up pictures of their books or pictures of the kid because you reference them on Instagram. So, yeah, it can be labor intensive, but so much fun. Yeah, it's it's podcasting is great. There, like anything else in life, there's things about it that uh, are less than great, but those things are more than offset by the people that you get to meet, the friendships you make, or getting to hang out and talk to people you already know. That's fun, uh, and just you know, pushing other people's work out there, and hopefully, uh, you know, reader either gets to see something cool about their favorite writer, or meet a new writer that they didn't know before. Yeah, that's exactly right. I. I... I think of one that I just interviewed recently. Ace Atkins is a guy that I have admired from afar for a long time. And I thought, man, it'd be just cool if I could get him on. And I, I was banging on that for weeks and uh, we kicked off 2022 with him and he was everything you would hope gracious, down to earth, normal, affable, and uh, a hell of a writing talent for crying out loud. I found the crime fiction authors in particular, uh, that's probably true of writers uh, in general, tend to be pretty down to earth. You know, they don't get very big heads. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe that's because they're not in front of the camera, you know, like an actor or something, or or I don't know. But I've, I, I mean, going to conferences, uh, doing this podcast, uh, being a guest on other people's shows, like uh, How I Met You, 
the it's it's in the 99th percentile of nice nice guy nice gal i mean it really truly is i've only run into a couple that i've raised an eyebrow at and that's over what i mean i've been in the crime fiction community in one capacity or another since 2004 or so um and and that's been my experience so it's 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 a good tribe to be part of I have found that everyone really just wants to help the next guy. I mean, you know, I came from a highly competitive background, radio for 25 years in major markets, television, film, and they'll greet you with a smile. But when you turn around, you got to make sure the knife is not in one of their hands. And, <laughs> and in this field, everyone, there is no competition. And I guess it comes from the point of, you know, there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of readers, there's a lot of flavors and there's enough to go around for everybody. So I've really been impressed and, and blessed by the friendships I've been able to make. Well, a lot of different, uh, skill, skills there that you mentioned, uh, film, radio, podcasting. But, uh, what I really want to talk to you about, at least to start out is your role as a writer. Uh, you, you've written a number of books in the thriller slash crime fiction category. Most of them, uh, a couple of them are kind of cross genre. And I, I, would it be fair to say your flagship series right now is the Pat Norelli, uh, detective Pat Norelli series? Yeah, that's what I call when I ended up starting to get serious. I call <laughs> I call this I'm getting serious now, Mom. Uh, Pat Norelli is a female detective um, out of Hollywood, and um, I had originally designed her as a guy, and I just thought it'd be really interesting to see if I could come up writing from a woman's point of view for whatever reason. And uh, I wrote The Poser over a period of about two years, and that was my first foray into really hammering at it, going, okay, I think I can do this. And I so loved writing the bad guy and, and, and spent so much time building that mystery thriller because there's so many mystery elements like dominoes that if you, you know, if you miss one piece, it'll affect the way the, the chips fall. And, but I had so much fun writing that bad guy that I said, I gotta, I gotta turn this into a series because I, I still got some more bad for the bad guy. Plus, you know, Detective Norelli has to, prove herself. So that's when I came up with the following book. But yeah, to step back one notch, you know how I started really kind of was um, uh, when NaNoWriMo started. A buddy of mine says, hey, dude, you want to try to write a book in 30 days? I'm like, what are you insane? <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, uh, he said, how about for a case of beer? I'm like, you're on. And so we did that one year and that was Carter Matheson. And at the time I was uh, in between radio jobs and I just... Uh, I had this guy in my head from a from a faith-based book that I wrote even earlier than that that I thought would never go anywhere, which we'll bring up in a minute if you'd like to. But And everyone had loved that character so much. So I just said, well, let's do that. And, you know, 50,000 words later in NaNoWriMo, and we were done. And then the next year, dude says, you want to do it again? I'm like, yeah, but only if you're in this la time, because last time you bailed on me. <laughs> so we did it again. That became series the series. And then the third year he completely bailed on me. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I got one more in me, Frank, I'm, I'm going to write one more. And that's when I'd moved to New York and met my wife. And I said, I, I'm going to take this beyond 30 days. Heck, what if I give myself 60 days? And that was the third book in the series. And, uh, so that's the, that's the Carter Matheson series, uh, yeah. knuckle down behind the eight ball and lucky strikes. Yeah. So Lucky Strikes was the first one. And it's, ah. you know, it's, it's, 
dude, you can read that in a in a in a in a weekend. It's under, it's at 50. Yeah. And then uh, behind the eight ball, I got a little more serious. I'm like, okay, well, let's see where this can go. And then by knuckle down, that's when I'd said, okay, I'm going to see if I can write full time. And I'm really proud of that book. It's so funny. I don't, I never talk about it. I don't try to sell it much. I should, because it is a, I think it's a really good book and that's, um, yeah. So there. Well, what, and what would you call those? I mean, they're thrillers, but but they they look to have a real military uh, element to them. So, uh, would you call them a military thriller or yeah. post military thriller? Yeah, uh, he's a uh, he's a former uh, special ops. He's a retired special ops sniper, and I only picked that because I think special ops is cool. I admire the military. I, I I salute the guys and gals who have fought for us. And I just think retired would be cool because he doesn't have to be in the shit right now. If he doesn't want to, he can kind of be in or out of it. And that's where he I came up with him. And it's a little bit of an alter ego, I suppose. And then, Frank, here's the funny thing. When I started learning that a lot of former military guys were writing about their world, and then I kept hearing this, where well, you got to write what you know. I'm like, well, I've never been in the military and I don't know much about it. So maybe I shouldn't be writing this. And that's when I went to the detective. Uh, which is a series that sits at two right now. First, the poser, uh, which refers to the antagonist and then the imposter. The thing about Pat Norelli that I think people should know is uh, she's a rookie detective. Yeah. Yeah, she's a rookie detective and she's living in the shadow of her brother who was, you know, the classic older brother rose to a, a prestigious position inside the division rather quickly and then was promoted and moved on to New York. So she's living in that shadow. She has a, a circuit court judge for a father who is uh, very well known in the community. And so she's working third shift as the book opens and she's uh, and this case comes up and she's a, she has a little bit of a, a challenge with the bottle and just kind of uh, loosey-goosey. And when this particular case opens, she says to her boss, uh, the captain, hey, look, let, let, me, let me run at this. Let me prove my chops. And if not, friggin' fire me at the end. And uh, kind of a Hail Mary, I got nothing to lose. And it just so happens that she solved the case. And I liked the way that she revealed and, you know, dug in there. And there's all kinds of uh, red herrings thrown throughout. And then, like I said, I, I so enjoyed writing the bad guy that I'm like, well, I got to keep him around a little bit. So that went in, that went into the imposter and she, you know. Uh, no spoilers, please. But uh, you bring up a great point because you're talking about someone who has to prove herself for a variety of reasons. I mean, at least four that I can count, you know, she's in the shadow of her father that creates a prove it situation. Same thing with her brother. Uh, she's a rookie. And mm -hmm. I can tell you from personal experience, having been one and having seen plenty come along, there's definitely a prove it uh, element there. And, you know, it might be 2021 uh, or late 20 teens when the first book came out. But being a woman in law enforcement still carries a more of a prove it piece, I, I would expect. It certainly did during my career, which I, I retired in 2013. So maybe we've made strides since then to where a male recruit and a female recruit both have the same prove it level. But uh, my guess is that there's still a difference there. And so here's this character who's got like four different hurdles to overcome before she even starts working the case, which right. is the, supposed to be the only real hurdle there. So that's, that's a pretty good setup and a pretty realistic one. 
And I'll put a fifth on there that that I never mention in the book and I rarely ever mention in conversation because I'm all about letting the reader slash listener decide what they want. But she's multi-ethnic, uh, if you want to drill down. And so she has that. She's from a mixed race uh, background, family, and you have that. But the and the other inter- one more interesting thing is she is paired up with a guy who's been in the system for a while. And I re- I leaned on you for a little bit of, of as I was doing a little bit of research just to make sure I was being legit. So they've got a guy who's kind of been that third or second shift sliding into third and kind of wanting to do the family thing. And they say, you know, if you want to step in here and roll up your sleeves and try to prove yourself, we're going to at least put a little bit of a, a buffer around you and put you with a seasoned guy to help, you know, put bumpers on you. And they ended up becoming really good friends and working the case together. Well, that is Pat Norelli. Uh, and, and I guess I have to ask, it's a duology right now. Is there going to be more Pat Norelli thrillers in the future, do you think? I do. I really, I so much enjoyed writing her. And uh, I did a little something in this second book, The Imposter. I brought uh, Carter Matheson from my first real series, which would have been, you know, uh, 2010, 11, 12-ish. And I brought him into the story just because I thought that would be interesting to bring a, a, a character from another series in. And they develop a rather fond friendship. And I thought, uh, yeah, they they need to keep this going. And I do have an idea for a third without spoiling anything. I, I know what she's going to do. I know how she's going to handle it. I, I have a pretty good idea who the bad guy is. I have a good idea how Carter is going to fit into that situation. And Frank, frankly, it's just sitting down and putting my ass in the chair and banging it out. Well, and that's a challenge for you right now, um, because as we discussed uh, prior to the show, the commitment to the Thriller Zone, which is a podcast, video cast, you know, video and audio podcast, however you want to look at it. It's a, it's a pretty big endeavor, um, and, and you've been doing that for about six months now uh, and enjoying it, I assume? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I, we started it in mid-June. Uh, May Cobb was our very first guest, and I didn't really, I don't want to say I didn't know what I was doing because I spent 25 years of my career in radio, but I hadn't really, I suffer from that, if it can't be perfect, I don't want to do it syndrome mm-hmm. until one day I said, this is ridiculous because everything doesn't have to be perfect. So I just mm-hmm. threw it up against the wall and tried it. So yeah, and that's turned into a once a week audio and video. So it's on YouTube video wise, and it's on audio on the thrillerzone.com and all the podcast channels. But as you and I were talking off mic, just before we started, I said, you know, I've got to just be more strategic with my time because writing really has to kind of come first because that's the meat and potatoes. And the podcast is a passion project. So, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to tweak on that because, as you know, uh, books don't write themselves, Frank. They do not. They do <laughs> not. They Even if once in a while you, you land on one that feels like it is. Now, I, I would be remiss if we ended the show before talking about a few other things because you are a bit of a renaissance man when it comes to the arts. And so in addition to being a writer, you've also uh, adapted one of your books into a film. Yeah, back in... 2003, this is when I I had just gotten out of radio about 2000 after about 25 years. And I had been writing in the closet on the side, 
all along the last 10 years of radio. And I just thought one day, maybe I'll do it. So when I got out of radio, I decided I'd had enough and my mother was still alive. I said, I'm, I'm going to write a book as an homage to her I, and my father. I just, you know, I grew up in a, my, I'm a preacher's kid and I grew up in a Christian home. So I got all that to deal with. And so I wrote this nice little story, a family drama based upon an accident that happens in this family that lives in North Carolina, which is where I'm from. And um, it's a, a feud between two brothers. And so I wrote the book, self-published it. That's when I learned how to self-publish and make the cover and the blurb and the layout and all that stuff. This is back 2003, I guess. And so when I made that, I always had the secret thing in the back of my head, man, what would it be like to turn that into a movie? Because having been in uh, television and film as an actor, I, I kind of knew how that machine work. Long story short, several years went by and a buddy of mine and I got together and he said, you know, let's, let's put this together. So I um, adapted to screenplay, which is only about the second time I'd actually done that. And then we needed money. So I went, well, I got to go get the money. So I raised the money and then I directed it, produced it and starred in it. And we made it for a ridiculously low number. And then sold it to Netflix and Amazon Prime and uh, Hallmark for a short spell. And it's where it lives today. Amazon Prime is where you can see it. And it's the book was Discovering Grace. The film is Chasing Grace. And the real premise of the story is that this per, these, these brothers are chasing after Grace. And it happens to be the daughter's name is Grace. But it's chasing after hope or chasing after goodness. And it's kind of that double entendre, and they both eventually find it. But uh, I'm very proud of it. And, you know, I think it's evergreen, and it's a story about forgiveness, the mm -hmm. power of forgiveness. I mean, and who who doesn't need that? Yeah, I encourage people to give it a watch. Um, now, anybody listening to this uh, can can hear in your voice that that clearly you have a radio background and that, that you mastered that, um, but you've been able to turn that into another uh, another jack of all trades sort of thing uh, to do, and that is uh, you've done some audiobook work as well. Yeah, I think uh, my voice changed when I was in about sixth grade. It was really rather strange, and I was an anomaly and a weirdo. But yeah, and I knew early on that that was probably how I was going to make my living. And then soon into radio. I was doing commercials of a variety of sorts. And then as I went along the way, I was the network voice for companies like CBS and HBO and Speed Channel and Fox. And, and that opened a lot of doors. And so when it came time to do audiobooks, you know, several people, I've got a couple of yours and yours mm -hmm. are fun and hilarious because they're bad guys and their sense of humor, which is my favorite combo. And, you know, it's just kind of a natural fit. Um, I have been approached more and more lately to do it. I know there's a couple of real big guys out there in the world doing it. And uh, I happen to love it. And that booth sitting behind me is a testimony to the fact that business has been good. But yeah, I, I love doing audiobooks. I love, I love doing, Frank, what you love to do with creating all your different characters. I get to do with a microphone by just a lilt or a switch of an expression. You know, you got a guy talking like this over here, you know, and then you move it over here and the, what's your problem? And I just love all that, you know, theater of the mind, if you will. Mm -hmm. Now, as a writer, you know, you always think, oh, it would be so cool if, uh, you know, this book or this story was made into a movie or a television series. And I still feel that way, obviously. I haven't gotten over it. But having had 
a number of my books made into audio productions. That's the next closest thing. I mean, you're, 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 and it's very much the same in that someone else, another artist is interpreting your artistic work and it's super cool. I mean, the, the, uh, the Charlie 316 series that I wrote with, with Colin Conway is, is being produced by uh, books in motion, uh, which is, uh, which is kind of cool because it's based in Spokane. We're both from Spokane. The setting of the books is Spokane. So it's kind of a, a hometown endeavor and listening to that narrator narrate those scenes and those characters. I mean, in a couple of cases, he is bang on the way I heard it in my head when I was writing it. And I experienced that same thing uh, when I got back a couple of novellas that uh, that you narrated for me. Uh, in particular, a Euro and a Glock, uh, the way you captured the uh, the bad cop and then uh, the the way that the protagonist sounded in comparison. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it adds such a, I mean, it's storytelling when you read it. It's another layer of storytelling when you hear it performed. And, and it's not being read, it's being performed. And that's what's really cool about it. Yeah, and that I really appreciate you saying that because, it, you know, I don't think people uh, think or understand quite what goes into that. But you, you don't just pick up your book and flip it open and start reading. I mean, that is part of it. But I spent a lot of time with those characters. I would take a character and I'd break him down. I, what does he look like? What does he feel like? What's a mannerism or a peculiarity he may have or she have about them? And some of that you might get from the author, but some of it you have to extrapolate from what you get from the author. It's not all there. Yeah. Like, you know, might have a guy who's... Um, he chooses nails and maybe that's referenced by the author, but then I'd go, well, why does he choose his nails for instance? And maybe that's from my acting background. And then you create this story of why he does that. And then that kind of affects who he is. And that to me is the fun part. And then what uh, I did in one of, I think, yeah, I did it in the poser is I really recreated the entire story with the mind of theater, with theater in mind, because mm-hmm. I added sound effects and nuance, mm-hmm. but just subtle enough that it sets up the scene for you, but doesn't get overbearing. And I, I think personally, because of this audiobooks is going to, they're going to continue to grow. They, they've exploded. I think they're going to continue to explode. I think, especially with the uh, COVID, when people were multitasking and so forth, they became very popular. But I think they're going to take it another level and really bring radio drama, for lack of a better term, back. Yeah, I could see that happening for sure. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, um, and 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 more so than even podcasts uh, these days. I mean, I, I've listened to the entire First Law series by Joe Abercrombie, which is a very well-known uh, fantasy sort of grimdark series. We're talking a trilogy, like three standalone books and another trilogy. Wow. Nine books, uh, all of them have been consumed by audio. And a big part of that is, is because the narrator that does that series is absolutely fantastic. I mean, a guy doesn't show up for three books and then you hear his voice, you know, it's that guy before the author even identifies him by name because the, the preparation that went into that by the narrator, he's using the same voice. And it's just, to me, it's amazing. I, I've narrated a couple of my short story collections myself. They have more the 
author reading at the bookstore <laughs> quality uh, to them, which has its own charm, and you can get by with that. I think it, it, with short stories, I mean, I could I couldn't do it uh, at the novel level just because the acting chops that go into it. Are, are super impressive. And all that is to say that uh, uh, you're, you're doing it for your own work. You're doing it for other folks. And it's, it, there's definitely a revenue stream there and it's definitely a creative outlet. Yeah. Uh, I have, I hope to keep it. I intend to keep it going this year. It's uh, it's just a lot of fun. Well, uh, before we go, I do want to touch on uh, swinging back to writing, which is uh, kind of the, the primary way I see you as, as, a, as a writer. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, you are working on something that is uh, kind of set in a world you're very familiar with, your current work in progress. Yes. Uh, I began this uh, at the end of last year, began my note-taking and kind of world-building. And uh, this month, I have really kind of picked the notes up and I'm running with it. And as far as it uh, relying on what I know, yeah, there's going to be an element of either radio and or TV and or film in there, but it will still be a straight ahead thriller. And I'm quite excited about it. Yeah, the thriller really seems to be your wheelhouse. Yeah. And the reason being, Frank, is I like thrillers. I like to read thrillers. I want to pick up a book that pushes me through the story. Just let me escape for because I'm in my head all the time. Let me escape for a while. Make it a page turner. Give me great characters. Hopefully you'll give me something I may not have seen before, but if not, not the I'm in for the ride. But boy, if you give me tons of backstory and the color of the room and the, you know, whatever, which we grew up thinking that was really cool, you're probably going to lose me. Well, folks, author, podcaster, actor, director, producer, uh, former radio host. And I mean, I could go on forever. It's uh, we're talking about David Temple here. You can, uh, find out a lot more about him at davidtemplebooks.com and, uh, at the thrillerzone.com to check out that podcast. It's been a long time coming, David. Uh, I'm glad you made it on the show. I really enjoyed this, Frank. And I, I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because I'm telling you, like I said, I went on your website and I'm I'm just blown away at the volume of work you've created. So kudos to you for following the dream, bro. All right, folks, there you go. David Temple. Uh, like I said, great radio voice, excellent writer, does a fantastic job with his audio book work. Of course, it's pretty cool that he got a movie done. I think that's every writer's dream is to see his work uh, in film or on television. And uh, he made it happen. Uh, great guy. Check out The Thriller Zone. He's got some great guests. And uh, check out his books as well. All right. Uh, quick Zafiro update for you. Uh, just want to remind you again that uh, the fourth season of A Grifter's Song is up and running. And uh, we are about a week away from uh, Gabriel Valjean's installment, which is called Diamond Dogs. Uh, but you can get David Housewright's episode, episode 22, Dracula Wine, right now exclusively on Amazon. Uh, if you're a KU reader, you can read it for free. Otherwise, you can get it for just $2.99. Uh, you can find out more about that also at downandoutbooks.com uh, as they are the publisher of that series. Uh, also, I've got a short story called The Last Cop coming out in an anthology called To Serve, Protect, and Write. Uh, it may be out by the time this drops. Uh, if it isn't, it will be out very shortly afterward. 
Uh, you can pick that up. Basically, the theme is all of the authors are current or former law enforcement writing crime fiction. All right, I want to say thank you to David Temple for coming on the show. Um, also, thanks to Down Out Books for sponsoring the show. And as always, my biggest thank you is reserved for you, the listener, for being here another episode, checking out David's work. Uh, if you dig it, then be supportive. That's how we make sure that uh, our favorite artists keep making art. I will be back next episode with a new author to talk about. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to raid crime. <laughs>